Yeah, Brad's a character, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, he is. I went golfing with him a few months back, and he is atrocious. But um, I was going to say, he works way too much to be really good. He's all stiff and like, oh, really? you know. <laughs> Next time. He just shows up immediately at the golf course, huge cigar in his mouth, just <laughs> ready to roll. And I'm like, dude, it's like 7 a.m. Like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> all right, today I've got Dave Meltzer in. What's up, man? What's going on? It's so exciting to be here. Thanks for waking up early. I know we're here. I think this is the earliest we've ever been in the office. 7 a.m., baby. We got to, we had to wake up. I went to, you know, my production team, went to their house, just shook them up, made sure they got here. You're smart. Yeah. Me too. So, man, I, I've been on your podcast, so it's great to have you on mine now. What, what, what brings you to town? So we're blessed to have a studio with Blue Wire at the Win, and we film not only our podcast, we have a sports and entertainment version of the podcast, an entrepreneurial version of the podcast, but we film a show called Office Hours, uh, which originated during COVID on Bloomberg and has evolved from Amazon Prime into an Apple TV deal, mm -hmm. where it's the best, newest, and first entrepreneurial late night show. Right. And so we bring in the biggest entrepreneurs like you, billionaires, millionaires, and entrepreneurs to talk about, like Cameron Diaz talking about business, Brett Favre talking about business, Deepak Chopra, Sadhguru talking about business. Yeah. No, I love it. It's such a cool concept. It's kind of what we tried to go for here, kind of that late late show vibes and well, we're doing it at 7 a.m. today. Yeah, but. <laughs> exactly. But I, I will tell you, I've been in probably a thousand sets in the last five years. And that's, you hit the nail on the head because I walked in and I said, this is Letterman's studio. This is amazing. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, they put a lot of work into it and I, I like how it came out. So for those who don't know who you are, man, you want to give them a quick rundown? Yeah, so, you know, I am the normal, what I call author, speaker, entrepreneur, coach, blah, 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 blah. But I think... In my journey, what makes me unique is a few things. One, I'm on a mission, uh, my life's mission to empower other people, to empower other people to be happy. So the reason I'm up so early and I come on shows like this is I find people like you that are I know are the future world thought leaders. Mm. And I try to pour into them values and daily practices to assist the leaders, uh, chairman of Golf Oil or Eros Entertainment or Verb Technologies to pour into them because I know they have access to thousands of people and they're empowering them. So I teach people like you to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. And my journey that supports that is grew up with nothing, might sound familiar to you. Yep. Uh, made a million dollars nine months out of law school in technology when everybody told me that the internet was a fad. What'd you do? What were you doing in tech? I worked for, so I graduated law school. I worked for the world's largest legal publisher that wanted to put their books on the internet in 1992. That and was a revolutionary idea. <laughs> it was. In fact, Justice Scalia told me when I presented to the Supreme Court what was called Westlaw, uh, which we ended up three years later selling for $3.4 billion in 1995. Mm. Justice Scalia, three years previous to that, said to me, David, nobody will ever do research on the internet. You need books to do research. <laughs> That's how revolutionary the idea of the internet was. Mm. Um, and so that was my first entree into entrepreneurship. It was more entrepreneurship, but being able to not be capped 
in the sales process and understanding how much money you could make by owning your own business, like the people who own this private company, to make $3.5 billion. That's almost like a trillion dollars today, by the way. $3.5 billion in 95 Crazy. is almost like selling your company for a trillion. That's how uh, many people sold their companies for a billion. It's crazy. And then I went to the Silicon Valley. I really branded myself. I let my ego go a little bit from being a lawyer, right? Because everybody, I always have the ESQ next to my name. Yeah, yeah. Now, most people don't even know that I'm a, a lawyer, but I went to the Silicon Valley and I got involved in the middleware space. Mm. So I started on the internet and what I saw, I was always early to the game, early in the internet, then I was early into transcoding. So what we did, we had a $169 million company that transcoded the internet for e-trade. So they're flip phones. I'm not sure if you're yeah, that yeah. young. Yeah. So the Razor and the all Razor, those phones. Yeah, yeah. Motorola Razor. <laughs> yeah, so we would transcode e-trade Alaska Airlines onto your phone. What, so, it, what does transcoding mean? So you take HTML, which is a website, yep. and you transcode it into what was called at that time XML. Okay. And because you had to have a different language in order to facilitate the format uh, in the user interface that existed on a small WAP phone, on a flip yeah. phone. Well, the interesting thing about that, about being an entrepreneur, is if you're a visionary like you, you see things, mm -hmm. uh, as we were discussing you know, your golf game, yeah. you see things of how you can monetize. And so I started talking about, as I was a director at this company, raising hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, someday I think the internet will just be on a phone. Mm. And so I started talking about convergence and convergence devices. And it ended up allowing me to be the CEO of Samsung's phone division, where they worked with Microsoft to create a Windows CE device, which everyone at that time in 1999 thought that Windows CE was going to be what Apple is today. I don't even know what Windows CE is. Yeah, it was basically the Windows browser okay. on a telephone. So it was a mini Windows, okay. basically your laptop on a phone. It was like Internet Explorer for the phone. It was ab absolutely exactly that. And so, and you had Microsoft's money behind it, okay. but Apple outperformed, Steve Jobs outperformed Gates. And so what happened was I was CEO of that at a very young age. And believe it or not, uh, we outgrew uh, Samsung, we outgrew my capacity. And so they basically said, look, you can't be CEO of this company. You know, we're the second largest manufacturer <laughs> of phones. You don't know how to be a CEO. You're a great sales guy. This kind of took off more than we thought it would. So let's step back here. Hold on. I mean, because we kind of just like gloss over the fact that you became the CEO of Samsung's phone department, which <laughs> Samsung, between them and Apple, make the most phones in the world today. Yeah. So... That, were you the first CEO of phones yeah. for them? All they had was convergence devices at the time. They bought into my story about transcoding, not any more transcoding, but just applying the internet to a phone. In fact, when we applied, LA Cellular is now Verizon. Okay, We went to LA Cellular to get the phone approved because we had it in Korea. We had it in China. So we tried to bring the phone to America. And what was utilized on a WAP phone, a flip phone, was an IOTA browser. So when we brought our phone, it had a Windows browser. Yeah. Like you see on your computer. Right. They didn't know how to, they didn't even know that uh, voice is data at the time. They were like, how do we bill for this? I'm like, you're already billing for voice. <laughs> voice is data. But this, it's hard for me to explain to, to younger people, like the mindset. And the only great thing about today that I can compare it to is Web3. 
Right. Right. Because the way that young people feel about Web3 and like things are like, what is, what is this? Fractionalized, democratized, all these things. That's the way they felt about things that are so blatantly obvious today to you. Yep. Wasn't to me when they created the internet or created wireless. Yeah. And so, you know, being able to get this thing approved was a huge thing. So I was a CEO of basically a startup within this organization. Same the same yeah. thing as I did at West, right? I was the top of this new internet division of what was already a huge company selling books. You know the books with the keys on it on every lawyer's commercial in every law program, Law and Order? There's yep. all those brown books in the background. Mm -hmm. That was the publisher. This 1876, they started publishing. Oh, so I, I was the head of that little internet division. So my career kept on mirroring the ability to be ahead of the game a little bit too early. Um, and you know, it's really fun for me now to see because everybody told me that phone that we had called the P clever PC dash E phone, uh -huh. right? Combination yeah. of a laptop and a phone. Yeah, yeah. They're like, Oh, this is too, nobody will ever pay $1,700 for a phone. Nobody yeah. will ever carry a phone that big. Mm. I laugh every time I see, you know, the, the plus. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's crazy. The original iPhone or that was so flip. Also, Samsung now has the flip, which is huge, which is way bigger than the PC phone. That's so funny. So, yeah, it's funny for because I I remember I was like, I don't know, twelve, thirteen when I got my first phone, <laughs> and so you know this was probably how old would I or what year was that? I would have, it would have been two thousand, and so that was around the same time. Yeah. And I just remember back then it was all about minutes. Like you would sell minutes for a phone and then data. Everything was a la carte. And yeah. then somebody, maybe it was like T-Mobile had like the unlimited plan. And that became kind of the norm of like, yeah, you shouldn't be. <laughs> and then text also, you know, cost per text. Yeah, remember? Everything How about crazy. this? Our first internet in 92 was $4.86 a minute to search. <laughs> it's crazy. But lawyers could bill that to yeah. their clients. So it had a profit center component, yep. which made it rich. Um, but yeah, things will change. And I think I'm blessed to have taken the chance as an entrepreneur early to be an early adopter to so many different things, because although I am older than most uh, people in technology, especially entrepreneurship side of technology, I have this really different perspective of looking at technologies that I know, for example, in Web3, I tell people, look, 99% of the companies today are going to fail but the capabilities, not the collectability of Web3 is going to continue. And I've actually invested heavily into real estate, Web3 types of opportunities in real estate, because I think the applicability of the capabilities of Web3 mm -hmm. are so aligned with real estate yeah. of creating huge margins that if you're not looking at it, you're missing out. Yeah, no, a thousand percent. I mean, that was why we created you know, our NFT project Tykes and why it's taken off because... I agree. I mean, I just think that's that, what brought my attention to you, right? Because <laughs> I was doing my due diligence, being more interested than interesting. I wanted to see the leaders in the space were, and I came across your stuff and I was like, I got to meet this guy. He's amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I think, um, to your point, being ahead of the curve, you can be too early, like you said. And then eventually though, you'll be proven right as time goes on. And, um, I think that's where we are with web three right now. It's like, man, there's a, there's definitely a lot of thinkers. And like you said, 99% of stuff will fail. But man, the 1% who get it right, yeah. they're going to crush it. And you'll attract the people. So, you know, what's interesting is when I left Samsung 
And I always say, if you're going to leave or get fired from a company, make sure you get paid to leave. Yeah. So they were blessed me by paying me to get out of there, yeah. which was really nice. But I met a guy named Lee Steinberg. Okay. Uh, most people know Lee from the movie Jerry Maguire, most notable sports agency in the world. Yep. And people ask me, how the hell do you go from being a CEO in technology for so many years to running a sports agency that's so well known? Because most frustrated athletes, which you know, you may actually know a few that didn't make it yep. to the yep. place that they wanted to, they want to be sports agents. Yeah. So especially if they have law degrees. Mm -hmm. And so all my friends were like, how'd you do that? Well, I asked Lee, like, why'd you pick me? And he said, it was simple. You were the only guy that had a law degree, a sports interest and background, but more importantly, you were the only one that had a high level of a technology background. And I see the future of sports and technology, mm. not in legal work. Right. And that's the type of vision that Lee Steinberg had that made him the greatest sports agent, probably be the first one inducted into the hall of fame ever. Um, and so being, also multifaceted and open-minded and always looking early mm -hmm. led to what was probably the biggest catalyst in my career of running that sports agency that gave me all the relationship capital and notoriety uh, to give me a platform that exists today now as Warren Moon and I built a global sports marketing company. And then of course the podcast book speaking and the blah, blah, blah that everybody else promotes about themselves as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. I call it the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. It's so easy to gloss over things, especially for guys like you and I, when we've interviewed a lot of people, we've been on a lot of interviews. We, you know, feel like everyone has heard our story and yeah. what we're talking about. Uh, to me, what's fascinating it, you know, and I still want to dive into the sports um, agent stuff. You know, I actually had Darren Prince on here. Yeah, um, one of my best friends. Yep. I He's had him amazing. on here about a month ago and we hit it off and it was cool to hear his journey as a sports agent. Um, I, I was wondering while you were telling the story with Samsung, how old were you during that 30. time? So you were 30. Yeah. Um, I just turned 31 in 99, January of 99. Okay. Yeah. And as a good sales guy, you sell them on making you the CEO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm curious, what were they paying you at that time? So $250,000 salary, yeah, but stock, yep, right? Because we were a public company. Yeah. Um, and then I had performance numbers, milestones for specific to that business unit, not for the overall company. What especially in 99, most people don't realize that Samsung wasn't really a technology company, it was a real estate company, it was a food company. Really? If you go, oh yeah, if you go to Korea in 99, Samsung is like the PG. Right. Mm. It's a conglomerate, you know, right. like Procter Gamble. Yep. Like there's this Samsung product everywhere and everything. And so as they ventured into technology as well and looked and said, Hey, we can we have a community. And this is an important factor because I know I was blessed to be mentored by Dr. Jacobs at Qualcomm because of the phone industry stuff I was working in. And he said, Dave, what business am I in? Qualcomm does chips. Yep. Right. So I said, You're in the dual mode CDMA chip business. And he said, Nope. He goes, I'm in the community business. Mm. So what does that mean? He goes, we're building a community. And within the context of that community, the bigger the community, they will tell me what they want and I'll sell them whatever it is. You see here, I have a hundred different IPs over here mm. that I've just shelved because someday my community at Qualcomm is gonna be so big that they're gonna start buying off of my shelf and they're gonna say, oh, you know what we want is this. Oh, I have that. Yeah. And I thought that was genius. So I've always, and I know you get this in your brand, 
It's all about community. Those people, especially in the next 24 months, that see building a community as an expense, yeah. not as, a, as an investment, are going to be completely diminished in their capacity compared to people like you and I mm -hmm. that are really pouring into our community for free, making an investment, doing things that other people, waking up at seven in the morning yeah. so that we can share the dummy tax that we paid <laughs> and also the inspiration that we have. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. So today's podcast is brought to you by Future Flipper. So Future Flipper is a real estate education company that I founded back in 2018. And since then, we have helped thousands of students all across the country learn how to invest in real estate. And it doesn't matter whether you're trying to learn how to flip houses, whether you're looking to wholesale or build your rental portfolio, we've helped everyone in all the different circumstances. This even includes people who have never done a real estate deal. We've helped beginners get their very first deal. We helped other people who have already done some deals scale to doing multiple deals a month. And we've even helped people get to my level, people to scale their business to doing over 100 deals a year learning to become an owner of the company and not be involved in the day-to-day -day and learn how to delegate and hire employees at the highest level. So regardless of what boat you are in, we can help you out at Future Flipper. We've got amazing events. We've got amazing coaches. I coach directly in Future Flipper, and I would love to help you get to the next level. So all that being said, if you are interested in getting a free consultation call, a free strategy call to see what it's going to take to help you get to the next level, go to futureflipper.com and you can book a call with my team. Once again, check out futureflipper.com to book a call. I know that many of my listeners on this podcast are high-income earners in fields outside of real estate, and they all always ask me, Ryan, how should I invest my money? Should I go start flipping houses? Should I buy an Airbnb? Should I buy rentals? What do you think? And I always say, look, a better use of your time is continuing to build your business and your career because you're already really good at it. Trying to go figure out how to do real estate deals on your own and managing construction and all that stuff is probably not the best use of your time, but you can still invest in real estate by joining Pineda Capital. We will do everything for you. We will find the deals, we will manage them, we will get them renovated, we'll get them rented out and everything else. All you've gotta do is invest and you're gonna get a return on your money. So if you wanna figure out what is the next deal that you can invest in, you can go to PinedaCapital.com. Currently, we're only open to accredited investors only, so if you want to get in on our next deal and you wanna get on the VIP list, definitely go to PinedaCapital.com and apply today. So, I mean, at that time, you guys are just figuring out, you know, smartphones and flip phones Convergence and internet. devices, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like to your point, you guys were early on it. Um, the iPhone had not come out yet. Like the actual, what we'd call today a smartphone didn't exist no. yet. I'm sure Apple wasn't even really on your radar. It was Palm Pilots, yeah, Dragon, Dragon had a phone. Rim, I invested in Rim and the BlackBerry was early. It was a 957 pager. Uh, that was a PIM device, personal information management device that just did text and email. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember Blackberries, the the sidekick. <laughs> yeah. The sidekick, right? <laughs> now you're talking. Yeah. Those were like the cutting edge. And then, you know, the iPhone came along. People were like, dude, where's the keyboard? Nobody's yeah. going to ever use this. Yeah. And it just makes me think, to your point, when you're always on the cutting edge before it gains adoption, you know, people are always like, that's freaking stupid. That's yeah. crazy. Laugh at you. Yeah. And then eventually it tech catches you. up and everything else. <laughs> so, you know, you start your career in law and go into tech. You spend, it seems like your 20s throughout tech, and then you become an agent. In your 30s. CEO of the agency, which is a great job because not only could I be an agent 
and I've represented cool things like the Clemente family or the Hall of Fame, things like that. But I also ran a business, mm-hmm. right? Lee wasn't a good business person. See, he was a great sports lawyer, which at that time, that's what agents were. I was a business person, right? I was a right. sales guy, a marketer, a brander, yeah. all the things that I learned. And today, that's actually what agentry is about much more than being a sports lawyer. Yeah, being a good agent now is the marketing side. Especially with NIL, right? Oh, man. You know, I had a, a kid reach out to me yesterday or like maybe a few days ago and he goes, hey, my brother just signed an NIL deal. For those who don't know, it's like now the college athletes being able to yeah. get paid. Naming, image, and likeness. Okay, naming, yep. image, and likeness. And he goes, yeah, he just signed an NIL deal for nine million bucks. And I was like, <laughs> what? It, what? Like, yeah. He's going to get $9 million, you know, in college. That's crazy. <laughs> it is. But you know what's so fun is about the athletes like that, they already were getting paid. Yeah. The ones for the big ones. Where I'm most interested is the athletes that never got paid, where as an influencer, as a brand expert, you know, I look at community. So I'll take a kid that is a, you know, captain of a hockey team from an Ivy League school, and I'll look at the following and say, wow, you know, all these Wall Street guys are following the, you know, this future Olympian, this captain of Harvard, you know, yeah, wherever yeah. he is, I'm going to go ahead and pay that kid $200, not 9 million. Yep, yep. I'm going to pay him $200 a month to post Dave Meltzer videos yep. so that organically I'm getting blown up on Wall Street as this thought leader that this super athlete, academic athlete loves and that's what's really build my unique community that's a really good idea is i'm going deep into the nil side when everyone else is chasing the guy for nine million yep like i used to do as a sports agent not me i'm talking to kids that are like why are you asking me they can't figure it out right Right. you're gonna give me beer money for a month right (laughs) i can afford a travis matthews shirt yeah it's gonna be amazing (laughs) (laughs) maybe i should start trading travis matthews stuff for nil deals man (laughs) yeah travis matthews sponsor you here you go here yeah it's my organic of dropping is good exactly so yeah i think that's actually a very very smart idea one i hadn't considered um you should because a lot of guys would love you especially with your sports background Mm -hmm. yeah go to all these college kids yeah yeah, help them make some money, and it, it's just a win-win. Now, now we're even because you gave me a great idea about playing golf. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, use the golf idea. Everybody knows that Ryan's a professional golfer. He's amazing. Yeah, and he's only a one handicap. That's really amazing. I know. We're trying to we're trying to get in the plus territory. That's good. That's the goal. Um. So, anyways, you you get into being the CEO. Lee hires you. He's yep. you know hires you for the the marketing, the sales side, while he just can focus on law and representing his clients and. How long did you do that for? So 2006 until 2010, so four years. Um, More importantly, I met Warren Moon. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2006 Mm -hmm. and became a partner at the same time I did. And Mm -hmm. so Warren Moon, for those people that are younger, may not know he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, only black Hall of Fame quarterback there is, both Canadian and the Pro Football Hall of Fame in America because they made him play in Canada for six years because they, back then, didn't want black quarterbacks. Yeah. And this is just a fact. And so 
Warren and I, Lee had personal issues, which are very public now. He has a disease called alcoholism. And so for me, it was a great stepping stone into Sports One Marketing, where I really got to shine because, you know, as much as I loved running the sports agency, my heart was in business development, marketing, and branding, always has been, regardless of the industry career job that I held. So being able to have the flexibility and creativity of running Sports One Marketing, where we brought all the biggest names to the biggest events mm. and raise money for charity. That was our business model. That's where make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun came from. Yeah. So you did that with Warren, you guys were business partners for on 12 that? years. Yeah. 12 Basically years. up until the pandemic, because our business was based on the biggest events in sports and come March of 2020, every big event in sports was canceled. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. our entire pipeline died in a day. So what I did, my brand was already evolving like yours yep. and you have your core competency and yep. what you do. I hired every employee from sports one marketing to work for Dave Meltzer enterprises and Warren semi retired yeah. and went into his, you know, signings and appearances and the things that he does. And believe it or not, the universe protected and promoted me once again. Now in the interim run, the one thing that most people need to know, and I love to illuminate is that while I ran Lee Steinberg sports and entertainment in 2008, I lost everything over a hundred million dollars. I went bankrupt. Wow. Yeah. So I was a real estate guy as well. I owned a golf course, a ski mountain, many homes in Vegas, Arizona, San Diego, Southern California, and got into an ego based lawsuit, poured all my cash in. And it wasn't the real estate I owned that put me under because all my real estate did really well. I bought right. Uh, they were great income properties, even the golf course. My difficulty was not understanding finance or banking, being financially illiterate to realize that you can be cut off mm. by your own bank, right. especially when they're about to go under. Right. And if you have a large flow, I don't like it, call it a burn rate, because I think that's a negative trajectory for your business. Mm -hmm. I had a large flow. Yeah. My, my monthly flow was a lot in and out. Well, if you need money for the in, even if you're doing well and they cut you off, it's just months before you are way, way behind in the flow. Right, right. And so I thought I had about 40 million that I could draw down on. And when I found out the 40 million was zero, and then you quickly are, you need money, even if, and things aren't going well in 2008. Yep, yep. Then people on the street are like, oh, Dave Meltzer needs money. Now the criteria in the scrutiny is even greater besides they're not doing well. Yeah. It was a perfect storm to lose over 100 million. That's crazy. Was that? Like a hundred million in net worth or real estate? Like what yeah, was that? Mostly real estate. So I owned a, a golf course, a ski mountain, and, yeah. and the homes. I, you know, cash wise, I poured over five million dollars into a lawsuit to prove that I was right, and that didn't go well for me. And so, not only right did I think I had some big things, I also had another company that I owned called Compliant Company, and we were about to close a hundred million dollar raise with Sequoia in mm. Sand Hill Road. But 2008, all of a sudden that tightened up, mm. right? Oh, we're not doing this deal right now. And yeah. so it was like a perfect storm. But here's the interesting thing. The biggest lesson that I had from it, we give meaning to the defined moments and inflection points in our lives. And one of the things that attracted me to you is that you had a defining moment in your life, in your sports career as well. Yep. And you gave it the right meaning. And I've been able to give what happened to me, you know, 14 years ago, claiming bankruptcy. Imagine this. This is how difficult it was for me. 
I had 33 homes alone in San Diego. I lived in Rancho Santa Fe in my dream home. I was married to my dream girl from the fourth grade with three beautiful daughters. And I had to not only go tell my mom that I went bankrupt, but the only reason I wanted to be rich is I grew up with a single mom, six kids. I just wanted to buy her a house and a car. Mm -hmm. At five years old, I just want to be rich to take care of my mom. I had to go tell my mom that I lost her house and she had to move because I forgot to take my name off of her title. So they seized her house. Wow. Then I have to move into a rented house with rented furniture and one car. Wow. I still had a job with Lee, but this was an ego blow beyond what I could ever do. And so I took that meaning that somehow could have taken somebody's own life. And it's not that my mind didn't go there for a minute. Right. Like, why am I here? this sucks, Right to being the greatest thing, the promotion and protection of my life, the same way as you probably look back and say, hey, I'm not Bryce Harper, mm -hmm. but thank goodness. Yeah. Because what has happened to me athletically has led me to having this unbelievable, passionate, purposeful, and profitable career that you lead. And you'll continue not only to lead yourself, but empower other people to lead as well. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And it's 100% true. It's like our biggest failures are what make us either or make us or break us really, right? Yeah. You know, they can define us, like you said, and help push us to new heights or, you know, for many, unfortunately, it just breaks them and they don't recover. Yeah, I'm hoping that happens to the Dodgers, by the way. <laughs> I'm hoping the Pottery Victory just breaks them and they never come back. Yeah, I don't know how they keep uh, <laughs> they keep losing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, dude, this is like the best team ever. Ever. Just, 111 yeah, victories, 22 crazy. games behind the Padres were. It's crazy. The Padres <laughs> don't even have their best player. Right, that's the best thing too, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think I totally agree with everything you're saying. Um, what stuck out to me was, you said something, well, just like looking at your career, right? Like you're helping entrepreneurs. That's kind of, you know, the audience you're pouring into. And what stuck out to me was majority of your early career, you weren't an entrepreneur. You were building other people's businesses. Yeah. I mean, you were an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I push people towards entrepreneurship when they're young. Okay. And let me explain why. I was one of the first to take advantage of this. As an entrepreneur, you get to learn on other people's dime. Mm -hmm. You do have stability usually of having some sort of salary, right? Right, But you also today, because of the way entrepreneurship works, you still have a lottery ticket, the exciting part of being an entrepreneur, because you can get equity. Yeah. Right. And you can get equity if you are an entrepreneur within a well-funded startup, for example, you can have significant equity. But I have friends that work for Nike for 20 years and got stock options in Nike for being a tennis sales rep. Right. Right. But there, it's been 20 years. Their stock options are worth way more than their salaries. Yeah. They've evolved. And in fact, it's almost like golden handcuffs sometimes that they don't want to leave and become true entrepreneurs. Now, I took the leap. I took as a catalyst the millions of dollars that I made early in my career as an entrepreneur yeah. and took the leap into building entrepreneurship as a side hustle. Right. Like the realist. And I, I failed big. <laughs> but then after learning the lessons and giving it the meaning that I gave it, I dove deep into entrepreneurship with Warren Moon, built that company, and then started building in the same respect my own individual companies that have led to making more money than I ever have, having more fun and helping more people. Yeah. So tell me, you know, the pandemic obviously ends this this 12-year business <laughs> you have, right? And a lot of event-based businesses just went under, stopped completely. And, you know, as a guy who was always looking forward to tech and forward thinking, 
what were you thinking during the pandemic? Well, it's really funny you say, because there's some of the kids that work for me, Colleen Malloy's here. She's the president of my company. And I looked at her and I said, get everybody into the conference room, get everybody online. And I said, look, I'm dedicated to you. I'm promising you that you all have a job. I don't know what we're going to do yet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I said, if we have many options, I said, do me a favor. Cause I was already at a podcast. I had camera guys go, go outside and film the parking lot today and then come back one month from now and film the parking lot. I had an office building in, in Irvine. Yeah. And I said, film it a month from now. Just do that because I want you guys to have perspective on what's going to happen. I've been here before. I've been here before. So this is the time you double down, lean in and invest in yourself. And so I sat down with Mikey Allen, the CEO, Colleen, the president. And I said, where do you see the most opportunity? And they said, Dave, coaching. More people are gonna need your help now than ever. And not everyone's gonna be able to afford that one-on-one -on -one play yeah. golf with David Meltzer coaching session. <laughs> so- uh, Didn't we, exist yet. Yeah, so we created, we created a group. Okay. And I basically created office hours for people that on Monday come online online with me and ask me anything. Right. Because hot seat coaching is one of my superpowers because I'm more experienced and I've paid more dummy tax than most human beings on earth. Right. So I have great situational knowledge about how everything ties together. And I can give you even, Ryan, a 30-year perspective on your business and real estate that nobody else really can. Yeah. And allow you to, but so we ended up building, you know, thousands of people into this group that fueled the economy. And then no idea this was going to happen. I started pouring into virtually my, for free. Yeah. So what happens? Bloomberg needs a television show. So they see my office hours show digitally, which I was doing for free with the biggest names. Mm -hmm. like Deepak Chopra was coming on with me and they're like, hey, can you make this into a TV show? <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm in, you know, I had done Elevator Pitch with Entrepreneur Magazine. So I had some experience, right. just like I had some speaking experience, some coaching experience, but they weren't 10, you know, eight figure businesses. Right, right, right. Right, 10 million, $20 million businesses. All of a sudden- by pouring in, by giving, by providing value, all these opportunities happen. So now I'm probably one of the top virtual speakers in the world besides live stages, Yeah, right? I've quadrupled the amount that I draw in. You know, I always say, the people say, what's the you know, most impressive thing in your speaking career? I go, I turned down a hundred grand to speak. <laughs> to me, that is more impressive than yeah. getting paid a hundred grand. Right. And so, but virtually I speak all over. I have all these different businesses and we all provide that value the same way I'm sure five years ago, you never would have imagined you having this killer studio no. and bringing in these unbelievable guests that you have. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, I had, um, Cardone sitting right where you're sitting on Monday Yeah, and you know, I've got you sitting here today and you know, a lot of people have just sat right across from me and I'm like, man, this is crazy. You I know. still feel that way, man. We do the TV show. We have 70, 72 of the biggest billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, and entertainers. And there's so many. Sometimes I don't know who's coming on. <laughs> so we do three episodes yeah. today. We'll do, you know, 20 world-renowned people. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, Brett Favre. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or Marion Williamson even, presidential candidate, or like all these amazing, Tillman Fertitta who wrote the forward of my book, right? The owner of the Rockets. Yep. And you're like, whoa, this is amazing. And then you're like super curious and interested and you're getting a free coaching session and you're building a business. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I think podcasts are great. I think um, 
the ability to build relationships with people, have them come in, you know, see what it leads to. I mean, to you know the podcast best that, at that, by the way, I got to give a plug because okay. you know this guy. So years ago, this guy started a podcast and he invited me to Las Vegas and his name was Bradley. Yeah. Right. So Brad brings me in and now I have a top podcast and he has a top pack podcast. And at the time, Gary Vaynerchuk, I was helping him with his sports agency. He wanted me to build a podcast. I told him I, I was too late to the game five years, eight months ago. <laughs> anyway, so this guy, Bradley, hardly know him. I go in and before I go to the podcast, he sits me in the conference room and he has a customized presentation for light speed. Yeah. And it clicks in my head. I'm like, this guy, Bradley's a God darn genius. The same way I think you are is your, you know, yeah. our professional golfing career together and things like that. And I'm like, wait a second, I can use my podcast as a business development tool, mm. right? It's not just a port, right? And yep. that's where my journey started. I thank Bradley all the time because, you know, I'm looking for how can we help each other? Yep. How can we do more with each other? How can we make money, help people and have fun together? Yeah. No, I love it. Yeah, Brad's a character, let me yeah, tell you. Yeah, he is. I, speaking of golf, I went golfing with him a few months back. And is he, he good? He is atrocious. But um, <laughs> I was going to say, he works way too much to be really good. No, he, he's all stiff and like, oh, really? you know, he the, he just shows up immediately at the golf course, huge cigar in his mouth, just <laughs> whiskey ready to roll. And I'm like, dude, it's like 7 a.m. Like, All right, let's do this. And this guy's over here swinging the golf club with the cigar still in his mouth. He don't even put it down. You know, he's just swinging it. And um, the funny thing with Brad is I go, hey, Brad, you know, take it as serious as you want. I don't care. You could pick your ball up. Whatever. He goes, here's the deal. Right. I was like, you could drop it with me and hit again. He goes, here's the deal. I don't hit it on the fairway. I'm not, I'm not playing the rest of the hole. Like, Oh wow. He's like, Oh, I like it. He's like, I don't deserve to, to drop and do it. Like if I hit it on the fairway, then I'll hit another one. And then if I get to the, you know, the end of the, the hole, great. Yeah. But if like, you know, out of 18 holes, he might've gotten to the end of it on two. <laughs> my, my, my golf game. I used to play a lot. I owned a golf course. Yeah. I used to play a lot. So my golf game either is the breakfast nine back nine. Yeah. I could play an hour. Yep. Uh, or, even funnier, I get invited to every tournament. Uh -huh. And some are business development-wise worth going to. Yep. So I literally will be the guy that gets dropped off to play three to six holes. And I will join a foursome just so I could get that much time of business development with all those people. Yep. And then I might drive around and say hi to everyone for another half. Yeah, an you're hour. not even playing. You're just no. you're there to hang out. Yeah. And work. And, but I know sometime in my life I'll re-engage, especially I have a 12 year old son. Yeah. And I I try to get my girls involved, but I can't imagine a better opportunity than to spend six hours stuck just bonding in a car, with your son, stuck in a cart with my own son. Now yep. that's worth my time. Yep. Um, so I'm, I'm still working on that. I will tell you, I've gone to every amazing sporting event in the world, right? Sidelines and Super Bowls, And my son is extremely spo spoiled and I've ruined him for life perspective wise, <laughs> but the greatest time I've ever had at a sporting event is the masters mm. on a Friday, just me and my 12 year old walking with Tiger Woods. Yeah. And, no phones, no electric boards, no hospitality, old school masters. Have you been to the masters? No, but ironically- You're invited with me right, okay. right, right here, but it's on camera. There we go. Yeah. The number one question I get asked by entrepreneurs is, Ryan, how do I create a personal brand like you have? How do I start monetizing social media? And I've been asked it so many times that I said, you know what? It's time to start a business and teach everyone exactly how I've done it. 
If you wanna learn how I've been able to grow my social media following to 1.7 million followers in just two years, and you wanna learn how we've gotten over 500 million views and turn those views into over a million dollars a month in revenue, then Content Empire is for you. You see, there's a lot of people who are teaching how to you know, go viral on one platform or how to run paid ads or funnels, but nobody has figured out how to organically merge the two. Most people think it's pay to play. But if you want to learn how to get organic content, build a fan base, build people who want to buy your products who don't need to be sold, then I want you to go to contentempire.io, apply for a free strategy session with my team. We will teach you how to build your business on social media and monetize. So once again, go to contentempire.io and we'll chat with you. One of my biggest problems with real estate brokerages is that they don't teach the things that are required for realtors and real estate agents to become truly wealthy. They wanna teach people how to just do more transactions because that's what makes the brokerage money. Well, as we know, the real way to gain wealth is by investing in real estate, it's by doing your taxes properly, and even if you wanna grow the agent side of your business, you're gonna have to do things differently in today's world. You're gonna have to be really good at social media. You're gonna have to market differently. You're gonna have to work on your sales game. A lot of those things are gonna factor in whether you become wealthy in the long run. And I just realized that over time, brokerages just are not fully equipped to handle all those different verticals. And so that's why I created Wealthy Agent. Wealthy Agent is a platform to teach real estate agents how to become truly wealthy, how to grow their real estate agent business, how to invest properly, how to do their taxes, how to grow on social media to get more leads for free. And so if you are an agent and you are looking to grow that side of your business, go to wealthyagent.io. We would love to chat with you and see if you're a good fit for the program. We are building a community all across the country that you can tap into. So go to wealthyagent.io to book a call today. So I actually, the GM of the Masters, um, young guy's name's Kevin, he invited me. Um, he's like, hey, I love your stuff, big fan. You know, I want to invite you to the Masters. Like, we'll take care of you and everything. I was like, all right, cool. And he's like, you know, and then for play week, I want to invite you to come play. And I yeah. was like, all right, let's do it. So him and I, um, we actually went to Florida a couple of months ago and we played at the Trump Doral and we're going to play some other courses together. So we've become pretty good friends. Yeah. You definitely want to go down there. Yeah. My, my playing story is I got invited September 21st to play for the first time. Yep. And my buddy, Rick Zeiler, who you have to meet, by the way, who worked for Grey Goose and has done everything for me, right? Gave me my little John relationships. And so I said, Rick, he's a professional golfer yeah. and, or was right now he's a rich entrepreneur. There you go. But he, uh, I said, you're going to play with me at the, at the Augusta. Yep. And on your birthday, September 21st, mm. he's like, I'm in. His wife was pregnant with twins. She has the kids, goes into labor on the 20th, like two months early. You know, twins come early. Okay. He couldn't come. So now I'm faced with the biggest challenge of my life, which is who do I invite to go to play Augusta with me last minute? <laughs> so I got smart. I called all the wealthy people that I knew. And I said, hey, I got an open spot tomorrow uh, at Augusta. Do you want to play Augusta with me? Whoever donates the most money to my charity can come. Yeah. So I didn't have to make the choice. I made it on them. Yeah. And it was the best decision. I always thank Rick for missing because our charity <laughs> made so much money and I had such yeah. a great time with the person that paid. That's awesome. I love it. So tell me about the running a golf course. Like how profitable was that? It, at that time, it wasn't profitable yet. I'm a long thinker. 
Right. Uh, so we had 2,000 acres exactly. Uh, me and my partner had a dream, and his dream, he's from Michigan, was I see 2,000 acres somewhere. And he called me at the middle of the night, uh, 9 p.m. Pacific time. It was in Amherst, Virginia. We got Sam Sneed to design the course. We already had that lined up. He was at Greenbrier at the time. Uh, he passed away after he designed it. So it's the only course ever designed by Sam Sneed, mm. uh, which is extraordinary, all bent grass. But uh, we had 2,000 acres, and the play was convention center, meeting rooms, homes. Yeah. Bill Murray owns a home there. We were, Where's this at? A Amherst, Virginia, which is okay. south central Virginia, right below UVA, okay. by Sweetbriar. It's across the street from the famous Jacqueline Onassis's uh, school, Sweetbriar. Okay. Um, and uh, it, w it, it is extremely profitable today. We yeah. were the eighth best new golf course in the nation at the time. Uh, extraordinary business. But once again, it went up LTV-wise to $120 million by itself. And I leveraged it to build the conference rooms and the convention Got centers it. and the hotels and, and do the marketing for the real estate that was around it. Yep. We, we launched in 2006, 2008. We're flowing, but then the economy stalls us out. Yep. We need cash. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's why your I'm, burn rate was so high. Yeah, flow rate. We, flow you don't rate. Burn, you nobody burns money in the right attitude, right? You that money flow. So everybody <laughs> yeah, flow rate. Re, I'm, money I'm is a always flowing. Yeah, money flows. There we go. Never again will I use that term. Good. So, <laughs> okay, that's good to know because I've actually been approached by a couple of people. Be the th lesson. Be the third owner of a golf course. So, okay, that's what I need to know. Yeah, be a third owner. If, don't if, don't start your own. No, no, no. And Dr. J, who's also a friend, you know, owned a golf course here out in Utah, right by Brian Head. Okay. And uh, Mick George is that the name of the area of Utah that's close by. Okay. I think St. George. St. George, yeah. Yep. So he him and I were the dummies that owned were the first owners of a golf course. And we he, he almost BK'd. He had a, a little advantage over me because he could sell like his old shoes and basketballs and pick up a quick five million. He didn't have to go to the bank. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to keep himself afloat. Yeah, yeah. He, he just had to sell off his ABA basketballs and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> He's an amazing guy, by the way. Dr. J. Yeah, cool. I know Jordan just started his own course. Yeah. yeah. Tiger Wood has Blue Jack, which we were you know, able to be at at the launch and play down in Houston. It's extraordinary. Mm. Yeah. So going forward, I mean, you said uh, you were helping Gary V with his sports agency. Yeah, well, AJ's brother, but yeah. Okay. What What... What did they need help with? I know he's starting to grow it. that. Oh, starting it. Yeah, so it was early on. So f five Super Bowls ago, AJ asked me to meet him at the Nike suite and wanted to start this sports agency. And I was doing a radio show at the time with uh, Jim Leyritz from the Yankees and called Sports Blender. It was syndicated. Uh, we brought in guests. It was a sports show. Yeah. And so Gary, the, this is the funny thing about being old, right? My guys, that some of them are here, they're freaking out. They're like, you're meeting with AJ Vaynerchuk? I was like, yeah. They're like, oh my God, maybe you'll get to meet Gary V. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what's a Gary V? What's a Gary V? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Right. Yeah. And anyway, Gary was there and he, you know, asked me to sit with him. And my guys were freaking out. 
Yeah. Because I just wasn't in that world five years, eight months ago. Right. Like, I had no idea why you would be super I didn't know excited who he was about five it. years ago. Yeah, yeah, about an entrepreneur, too. Like, e even if he was. Entrepreneurs weren't celebrities. No, he made them celebrities. And I thank Gary Vee for making entrepreneurs celebrities. Like, I can't believe people stop guys like you and I yeah. and ask us for pictures yeah. at an airport. <laughs> it is funny. Right. Yeah. And it's, and first of all, let me just tell everybody this if you want to be famous, be a famous entrepreneur because it's perfectly famous. So like Warren Moon and I will go to a Rose Bowl. We both sit on the board of the Rose Bowl at the Washington, Ohio State game. He can't watch the game because everybody bothers him. Yeah. But on the way out, one guy like runs up and I kind of stand in front of Warren and he hugs me going, oh my God, Dave Meltzer, you changed my life. I love your stuff. Can I get a selfie? Yeah. And Warren looks at me going, dude, you're perfectly famous. Like you just get that one or two guys yeah, yeah, who yeah. know you everywhere you go yeah. and they make you feel so great, but they don't ruin your day. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be like uh, Michael Jordan and these guys where no. you just can't even walk around. So, yeah. So I helped, uh, sat with Gary and he, you know, wanted to hire me as a consultant, as a partner to help him with his. And then being Gary, he's so interested. And when he found out about what I did and beyond being a sports agent, he's like, I can help you. Mm. And, and this is the true authentic Gary, right? He poured into me and he convinced me. I, I spent a million dollars my first year building my brand, having a hundred vlogs made. I had a, a, this crew traveling with me, yep. you know, with cameras, all the podcasts were live. Okay. Now I had an advantage over most people at the time. I had a huge pool of relationship capital, yep. not just sports heroes, but the entertainers that were attached to the sports heroes, but also the, you know, business people, you know, the chairman of alphabet, most people don't even know what Alphabet is, but when I gave them the exposure, you know, from Hint Water to Sleep Number Beds to Old Spice to all these incredible entrepreneurs that I helped create their celebrity, mm -hmm. but more importantly, they helped my community learn about all these nuances of business, all the dummy tax that they've paid that has now accelerated the community that I built to allow them to be more successful. Right. No, I love that. So- where do you see things going? I mean, you're forward thinking. We've talked about Web3. You know, obviously you you put a lot of money into your personal brand, a million bucks your first year. Yeah. Where do you see all this going? So there's going to be a great separation. And the first thing that I want people to realize in the next 24 months, you need to separate two things. You need to create a ledger in your life, investment versus expense. And I want you to really think about the difference between these. So for example, those people who see building a community as an expense are going to lose greatly because they're going to quit. Mm -hmm. They're going to quit their podcast. They're going to quit spending marketing dollars on their brand. And it's going to make people like you and I that see it as an investment yeah. that much more powerful because a lot of the noise is going to go away. Yeah. And you and I know the only thing holding us back right now is people being aware of what we do. It's not what we do. We'll keep getting better at what we do, but we're good enough at what we do to build a community. And so if we can get rid of the noise, the people who start a podcast and end up quitting after 11 of them or people who can't afford or think of it as an expense to build their community, right? this big separation is going to happen, but not just in branding and in marketing, but in everything personally and professionally. If you can create a ledger of investment versus expense and reduce your expenses and increase your investment, mm -hmm. exponential value will be created. 10 
X, 20X will be created. Real estate's an, an area of that as well. When we can distinguish between expense and investment in real estate, mm -hmm. those who are pouring their money into investment in real estate right. are gonna do very well. Those that are ego-driven expenses and are not doing the math. See, people make money whether the market's fast, whether it's slow, or whether right, it doesn't move at all. Right, whether it's good or bad, up or down, people who understand investment versus expense make money in real estate. Yeah, no, 100% agree. Yeah, you touched on two things that I believe um, going forward are going to be big. And that's why they're literally my two most recent companies, you know. So we talked about Web3 and real estate merging together. That's why I created Tykes. And that's why, so smart. you know, like to your point, you're saying community, I'm first building the community of people. Who are interested in real estate and web three and then we're going to build the products and services in that space so community first then businesses after so you know i'm very very bullish on everything we're doing there um the second company i actually just launched it last week and as you know as entrepreneurs we can't help ourselves with starting new companies it's just it's fun it's great um the new one i just started is called content empire and it's literally for entrepreneurs teaching them how to create content, how to build funnels, how to you know build a community, all the things you and I are talking about right now, because I see it too, where I'm like, look, I don't care how good your business is today as an entrepreneur. Your competitor is going to create content and start getting attention and building communities and people who rave about their products and services. And either it's going to be you or it's going to be somebody else. Pick. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's missing that in the long run is going to be a differentiator as well is quality. Mm -hmm. And I'd see this in books. I see this in speaking. I see this in podcast. I see this in general posting of content. So for example, one of my strategies has always been to give my book away for free, to sign it, to pay for shipping, pay for the book, not some kind of scam, get my book for free, pay me $9.99 yeah. for a $2 book, yep. which a lot of people do. But what they don't realize is if you don't create essence-based quality content, that you're damaging your brand. Mm -hmm. So if you send out your book even for free and it sucks, all you're doing is building a community of people that think you suck, mm -hmm. right? And so it's really important to spend the time to be more interested than interesting, to create really good quality content that represents your essence. Mm -hmm. Don't half-ass it. Yeah. Right. If you're going to write a book, don't create some pamphlet that is a sales pamphlet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The 40-pager. Yeah. And then call yeah. yourself an Amazon bestseller because you know how to pick a subcategory that nobody's in yep. and have 100 people download your 99-cent e-pamphlet yep. and call yourself a best-selling author. Yeah. Right? When I send my book out, I know that I'm building a community. In fact, sometimes I send out two so they don't even have to purchase it when they love the first one and want to give one to a friend as a gift. Exactly. I don't even want them purchasing that. Right. Because I'm building that community. And I see, like, I know the difference. When I see someone like you and I am like, wow, you know, I'm learning from this guy. Like I never thought of, I'm so lucky to leverage his youthful perception and network and community by watching this video, Ryan's given me this great idea that I can leverage with 35 years of dummy tax that <laughs> I paid, but he's aligned with my essence. You and I are on the same yeah. frequency and our frequencies are neighborhood. We just have different experiences yeah. and I don't discount. See, I realize experience is one thing for longevity of how much you've experienced, but 
you and I have the exact same experience in Web3. Yeah. But you've probably paid even more attention than I have. Mm -hmm. But it would be impossible for me to have more experience in Web3 than you. Do I have more experience in Web1? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Yep. And real estate, I have, I have more experience than you as well. But there's certain things that you and I have identical experience, but you've paid more attention to and have better knowledge of than I do. And so I think a lot of the older people don't pay attention to the expertise that someone like that you have just because you're younger than me and I've been in real estate so much longer and I've lost way more money than <laughs> you have in real estate. Yeah. I think I know more. No. I know certain things, like I know lending more. I know, for example, that subprime lending has been utilized in luxury items the same way it was utilized in 2008 for property. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I know if there's a recession or even a depression that I'm going to invest my money in things that were purchased with subprime lending, like yachts, planes, yeah. and luxury cars. Because I know historically human nature, they oversell and they undersell cars and yachts and planes. So that's an area that I know are identical to buy a million dollar plane for that was 10 million is the same as buying a million dollar house that was 10 million. Eventually it'll be 10 or 20 million, 10 or 20 years from now. Yeah. It's guaranteed. Yeah. With recession, what do you think about what's happening? So I call it the margins of millionaires. It's the great separator. Uh, so the differentiator today in the recession that's going to occur, it's more segmented than ever. There's certain industries and careers that are going to do extremely well, even though a lot of people won't have as much money to invest. And so I have a very simple philosophy. Know what's oversold and what's overbought. Mm. Whatever industry, career, or job you're in, if you can determine something that's oversold, buy it. Mm -hmm. If it's overbought right now, sell it. Mm. There's no great wisdom in what I'm saying other than the identification or the ability to utilize mentorship to figure out Right? That's a conversation you know, off of there that I want to have with you is you know, here in Vegas, I'm really interested in real estate. Mm -hmm. So you know, what's going to be oversold? Mm. Like, Because not is something going to be oversold. Yes, stuff in Vegas is going to be oversold soon. And I want to know your best estimate on what will be oversold and when so I can take the resources that I have and have saved for yeah. the time where things... And the great investors are ones who have waited for things to be oversold and sold the things that have been overbought. Yeah. Yeah, they... Uh, you know, I just think about the last couple of years and you, know, you see all these new cars going for so much over MSRP. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like... This is just not how the world has been, right? Watches and cars and planes, like you said. You know, I was looking at um, a plane for a tax write-off yep. for the end of the year. And I'm just like, how are these so expensive? And they're like, well, you know, there's there's no supply. We don't Yet. know when there's going to be supply. Yet. Yet. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, yeah, I just can't bring myself to do it at this time. No, I'm still, especially Vegas, right? I'm still a Southwest guy. Yeah. Like, I, especially with Orange County Airport. Yeah, I easy. tell my team all the time, like, this place is better than the Atlantic right next door. <laughs> and I just paid 29 bucks to get here. This is instead <laughs> of 2,900 an hour, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, dude, I appreciate you coming out to Vegas, man. It's been a lot of fun chatting with you. I'm, I'm looking forward to all the things we can do together, especially as visionaries for the future. So, 
Appreciate you, man. Well, I appreciate you more. And I'm so really proud of you. And it's people like you that help me to ascertain my mission because you are pouring into the community and you're giving really good advice uh, with a great perspective. And I'm really looking forward to playing some golf with you as well. All right, let's do it. All right, guys, well, make sure you subscribe and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Wealthy Way podcast. If you got value, there are two things I want you to do. The first is go to WealthyWay.com and get access to all of our free stuff. You can download our courses for free. You can use the Wealthy Way Planner for free. You can subscribe to our newsletter. All of it's free. It is such amazing value. I want you to go take advantage of that. The second thing is if you could go to Apple and leave a five-star review, or if you're watching this on YouTube and subscribe, that would be amazing. It would mean a lot to me. In fact, if you leave a review, I might just shout you out on the next episode because we are reading those. So definitely check it out. And thanks for watching.